so thankful that we uh, just are led every week, and you know the changes face, you know the, the faces change out, but uh, you know the spirit that we get to come to worship uh, each Sunday is just amazing. And so I'm grateful for what these guys do every week. And um, if you want to continue that. Uh, we have a special opportunity to do that this week. We're going to be hosting our community-wide night of worship. Last year, we packed City Hall Lawn with about 300 people. I think we counted about five different churches that were there. And so back by popular demand, everybody's like, hey, can we do this like six times a year? And our setup crew said no. Uh, but... Uh, and, and, and so anyway, we're going to be this Friday, we're going we're gonna to just pack, we're, we're shooting for 500 out there, we're going to have food trucks, uh, you're going to get to uh, lift the name of Jesus high, uh, we're going to get to pray with other, uh, other followers on, on Friday for our community, for our kids in our community. You know, the more I walk these hallways, the more I know that prayer is just, is, along with partnership, is just such a key uh, thing to pray over our, our kids and our students and our faculty, and we're going to just pray over first responders, kind of everything that is the heartbeat of Good Littlesville. And so we hope you come out for that. Uh, invite a neighbor. It's a great spot. Six o'clock, uh, we're going to have food trucks here, and uh, you'll be able to, to do that. And then at about 7.30, we're going to start worship. Uh, I think there'll be a bounce house out there for the kids. And so just a, a good night to come out in the community if you're not going to carry Underwood. If so, you know, I hope Jesus turns your wheel right back up to... to, to that's, it's bad. Don't even laugh. Don't even laugh. That's a bad. That's bad. It's not even a good joke. Um, final thing before we uh, start our new series. If you are not in a house group, this is the week to make that. We've got about 20 new people or new families that are signed up for a house group this time. And so if you're one of those who have not... Yeah, that's great. And so we said, you know, we were shooting for about 80% participation. We would love to have 110, meaning that all of you are in a house group and you're inviting someone. But uh, we're shooting for that 80%, and I think we're going to get really close. We're probably going to exceed it, to be honest. And so if you're not in a house group, you want more information about a house group, you want to know what is a house group, it's really where we pare this down and you get in circles and community with some people. And so we would love to have you in a house group. We have groups that meet all over the city, different nights of the week, different demographic. And so we can find one tailor-made just for you. So when you go out in the lobby, on your way out, you'll see a big house group banner. Just stop there and uh, talk to someone, and they will get you uh, the information you need to do that. They're, those are going to start next Sunday for a lot of groups. Some groups go year-round, but next Sunday is kind of a start date for that. Well, let's pray, and uh, we'll get going this morning with a new series. Father, we just pray that your blessing be on these next few minutes as we uh, talk through something that every single one of us in here do or every single one of us is experiencing being done to us. And so, Father, as we open up this series, we pray that you open up our hearts and our minds so that we can begin to really lean into you, see what it is that you have for us to receive, trust that, step into that. And, God, in doing so, that you would release us of some things, you would free us of some things, you would, would just overflow some things in our life. And so, Father, for the next few weeks, as we talk through the chase, we just pray that you would uh, bless everything that is said, everything that will be heard or saw or listened to, that, God, you would bless us in a way that allows us to, to move closer to you, allows us to move into a more devoted relationship with you. So, Father, we just pray in, in the name of your Son that you would do something great in each of our lives this morning. We pray this through your Son's name. Amen. All right, on your way in this morning, anybody find any money? 
You don't want to raise your hand because you got took, but uh, anybody find money this morning? Our setup crew got here early, and one of our, our younger guys on the setup crew, he was setting up something down here, and I came in last night and kind of planted a few things, and uh, he was so excited. He's like, man, finally, being on setup crew is going to pay off. He thought he found a $20 bill, and uh, he opens it up, and he's like, oh, man, and, and it wasn't real. So let me tell you a, a quick story about this. Several um, months ago, I guess last year sometime, I was heading to a Preds game, and a storm was kind of brewing in, and you know, you kind of want to get to the game quickly, and I was a little later than I normally like to be, and so I don't know if you've come from Music City Center, there's always that, that top corner behind Bridgestone that gets really crowded at the red lights, and the policemen are, are like Nazis down. They're like, listen, you are going to stop. We're not getting anybody hit on a scooter today. And so everybody gathers in that corner, and so then when you come across the street, you can either go into club level, you can shoot down to Jack Daniels, uh, or you can go around the front. There's all these different options, so it really piles up there. And so I'm waiting on the corner, waiting for the green light from the policeman, and I'm standing on the curb, and I notice about three feet out there is a $20 bill laying there. And so you do that, and some of you probably did this this morning. You don't have any intentions of asking who it is or if you're going to turn it in. So you hope no one else sees it, and so you just kind of start scooting toward it. You know what I'm talking about? And you want to put your foot on it. Isn't that kind of the rule? And then when everybody's kind of gone on, you are going to reach down and grab it. And so that was my goal. And so I go to kind of, I do the look around, and I kind of slide down a few spots, and, and I move out, I step into, and I'm watching the cop to make sure he doesn't get me. And, and so I take another step out into the road, and about the time I went to put my foot on it, coming down to Mumrium, this gust of wind takes it about four more feet. And I was like, did anybody see it? No. And so at this point, I'm like six feet out into the street, and the cop's yelling at me. He's like, sir, back to the, you know, and I'm like, all right. just hang. So I swoop down as quick as I can, which is not quick. And so I grab it, and I do that number where you put it in your hand and put it right in your pocket. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all right, nobody saw, nobody. I'm not going to ask anybody. You can, uh, man, I'm really showcasing, like, my dishonesty, I guess, here. But I was like, I don't want to know if somebody dropped it. It wasn't like I found a wallet and took money out of it and then threw the wallet back down. And so I get what I thought was clear on down to Jack Daniels to that entrance, and I was like, I'm going to check. I don't think anybody that was behind me or could have dropped it or in front of me is around. And I take it out, and this is what it said. Now that I have your attention, visit www. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I threw it back on the ground for somebody else to find. Here's the point. I could have died chasing a fake $20 bill. Traffic coming through there, pedal taverns coming through there, hot tubs on wheels coming through there. And I'm out chasing five, six, seven feet, and it blows, and I go a little bit more, and I'm chasing what I thought was real, only to get it, stick it in my pocket, and discover later that it had zero value. Here's the thing. Every single one of us in here chase something, and you're being chased by something. There is something that's closing in on you. For some of you, that's a positive thing. You think, man, I'm getting really close to retirement. I, you know, I'm, it's chasing me, and I'm chasing it, and hopefully we'll meet in the middle. But every single one of us chase something. And if you found one of those fake $20 or $100 bills this morning, it has our motto for this series, and it's this, don't get got. Don't get got. 
And so in this, this evaluating what is real and really evaluating what it is that, that is kind of over my shoulder, about to tackle me, don't get got. Make sure that before you chase something into the street that it's real. It's the real thing. And, and whatever it is that you are allowing to chase you day in and day out, emotionally, physically, spiritually, make sure that you don't get got. And here's the thing. We chase so many things that just does not have lasting value. Or better yet, we chase so many things that doesn't have any value. You know, beginning to kind of start this series, begin to inventory, what is it that I'm chasing in my life right now? And I got to so many spots where I go, wow, that doesn't have any lasting value. You know what? That doesn't even have value. I'm not sure why I do it other than I enjoy doing it. And so we begin to look at these things. And in order for us to do what it is that we've set out as a church to do, and, and, and that is growing in a relationship, moving toward a relationship, a more fully devoted relationship with Jesus, we've got to stop. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to stop and look at, it, at what it is that chases us and what it is that we chase We've got to chase what matters. We've got to chase what is real. Now, as we intro this, this is what you need to know. That Satan or the world will do everything it can to disguise and counterfeit and make it look really good. You know, sometimes we think Satan's a fool, right? Like, you know, that he's going to be so far-fetched that I'll just know. What I have learned in my life is this. The older I get, the more I see it. That the world... And Satan through the world will make things look so close to being important, so close to mattering, so close to real that many times I'm way down an unhealthy road before I realize that, you know what, that was never what it looked like from the beginning. You know, it's not, it's not this big red, you know, pitchfork kind of moment where you go, now that's say, I can see that from across the gym. No, it's these moments where it looks really, really good. And he's a master of these things. The world has convinced us through little things like this. These are counterfeit things. The world has convinced you to some degree, some level this. You are in total control. Guys, that's a lie. That you are in total control. And that's a counterfeit statement. And you figure that out when you get to a spot, when you figure out, you know what, I have no control now. I have no control in my situation. I have no control of what it is that's causing me stress. But it looks good, so we chase it. We, we are convinced that, you know what, you call all the shots. You have earned the right. You deserve. You call all the shots. If you want things the way you want things, then you go get those things. You call the shots to those kinds of things. It, it's these moments where uh, it, it, it defines what is most important. That we allow these in, outside influences to, to determine, no, that's not worth chasing, but this is. This is really what's important, not this. It's this moment where we're lied to when we say, you know what, you can be whatever you want. And furthermore, you can do whatever you want to do. Just be you. Now, let's talk about some of these statements. When I say just be you, if we begin to chase that statement to its core, what you'll find out is it's counterfeit to God saying, be holy as I am holy. 
When you begin to chase, you just do whatever you want to do, and you can become whoever you want to become, and you can do anything you want to do, and we begin to chase those things. What we figure out is they're not real. They look so good, and they look so close to real statements and real philosophies and real guidelines and real ways to live life until we get close enough. Guys, they're lies. Let me prove it. Several years ago, I got to see something that I thought I would never see. Again, in my lifetime anyway, I saw it, I guess, when I was a newborn. But I got to see a triple crown winner. Now, being from Kentucky and I lived in Versailles for several years, horse racing is a big deal. The Derby, you know, all that stuff is a big, big deal. And I got to watch Victor Espinoza run for that triple crown on American Pharaoh. Anybody remember that? Now, fast forward about three weeks later, as fate would have it, Victor Espinoza was in town. And so I was like, man, I've got to get him to sign the New Sports Illustrated. And being the autograph guy, I pulled some strings and figured out some things. And so I ended up meeting Victor Espinoza to sign the triple crown Sports Illustrated. And I was blown away. First time I'd ever been up close. If you saw the picture, which I don't have this morning, I'm not kidding, this guy's like this big. Now, here's where, here's where I'm, I'm going. I can never, I don't care how much I tell myself, you can be whatever you want to be. I will never be a Kentucky Derby jockey. I can tell myself that. I can go train. I can lose weight. I can get to know horse on. I mean, I can do it all. But I'm telling you, after meeting Victor Espinosa, there is zero chance I will ever ride a horse in the Kentucky Derby. It's simply not true. So you doing whatever you want to do, being whatever you want to be, all of that language, these things that we chase, here's the problem. Those are dangerous if we live only into those things. Number two, it's distracting and number three, it detracts from what our life is really supposed to be about. And if Satan can counterfeit and get us chasing fake 20s into the street, if he can get us chasing the wrong things, here's what happens. More stress will come our way. Now think about it. The things that stress you the most. Tension will come our way. These moments were hurt. We've chased, we've chased, we've chased something. That, and we got there and then you, you end up hurt by it maybe through a relationship. We get to these places where we chase, we chase, we chase, and just like Walker this morning, disappointment enters in. Like, man, that was supposed to be a real 20. Now i got to, like, unspoil cool. Like, like, we're disappointed. We get to these moments where we, 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 we build a, a long-term chase to the point where you look back and go, when did I become so selfish? Man, I used to be a family man. I used to love being a giver of myself. and Man, I just put my head down because I thought if I chased something for just a short time and then we get way down the road and you go, when did I become a selfish, self-absorbed? And I've watched relationships deteriorate all around me because everything is about me. We get to these moments where frustration sets in. This happens especially the older we get. The life goes on and you begin to look back and you go, man, now I'm really frustrated, full of regret. And there's this pain that comes with life way more than is required at that moment in life simply because we've chased 
the wrong things. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he kind of gives this encouragement. He says, listen, stop chasing things that don't matter. It's this moment when he says, if you want to get rid of some stress, if you want to get rid of some things that is causing anxiety, some things that is causing worry and doubt and pain and these dead ends that you keep hitting, then evaluate what you chase. Here's what he says, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then he says, look at the birds of the air. Just look around for a minute. Look at things that you see. Do they not sow and, and reap, store away in barns? Yet, your heavenly Father, God, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And he says, why do you worry about clothes? I mean, look at the flowers of the field. They do not labor and spend, yet not even one of Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass, the fields, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, do not worry, do not chase, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what shall we wear? Pagans run after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these, and I'm going to add something, less important things will be added to you. Jesus touches on the big three chases. And every single one of us do this. He chases, he says, let me touch on the big three things that you will spend the majority of your lifetime, your energy, your mental capacity chasing. And here it is. He says, what will you, what, eat? Survival. We will chase survival. Now, the problem we have in first world is this. We don't just chase survival. We chase abundance. We're not happy with daily bread. We want to make sure that there's a side of filet and asparagus to go with it. And so we get caught up in that. I'm not just happy surviving. I need to survive in abundance. And so, again, we go after, we chase what we think is survival, but it's just, again, leads us to a place of selfishness. He says, then all of a sudden you get to the second category. He said, you begin to chase security. Well, if I can just get all of my stuff in order, if I can just get everything in order, I'm, I'm, I'm worrying about tomorrow, but there's a good reason I'm worrying about tomorrow. See, I'm worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow, if it's not, if it's not in the 401, if it's, not, if it's not prepped right, tomorrow won't be, you know, and so we chase security. And we think that, you know what, again, if I can just get some things in order, then it'll be easier. I'll have more time. I'll be a better person. And then we chase significance. He says, you know, this whole concept of what you will wear, you know what that's all about? It's about will I fit in? Will I look good? Because, again, we've bought into this that, you know what, the way I look, the way I dress, the way I'm perceived equals belonging, acceptance value. And so we spend all kinds of time, money, and energy chasing these three things. And Jesus, in essence, is telling the people that are listening, in this culture and in our culture, in Matthew 6, he says, don't get got. Don't get caught up. Don't get bogged down. 
Don't get beat down, buried under the weight of the lies that come with chasing the wrong things. So, how do we begin to determine what really matters? How do we begin to determine as I, as, and I'm not going to tell you what you should and shouldn't chase this morning. I'm going to leave you with a few things, some tools this morning that's going to allow you to evaluate over the next several weeks. How do I begin to go, okay, how, uh, what do I need to prioritize? What do I need to shift around on the to-do list today? What do I need to do in order to get to a place where I'm really beginning to prune back some things and really chase what matters? And in doing so, I'm hoping, I'm trusting, I'm going to have faith in that some stress will start to go away. Some tension will begin to disappear. That some pain and frustration and disappointment will begin to dissipate. So it really comes down to a series of questions. You guys ready for these? Number one, ask yourself, what do you value? Now, there's a reason this is number one. I believe that the chase and what we chase really comes down to this. What do you value? Every time you make a decision to chase something, you're showcasing what you value. Every time. No exclusions. Every time you choose to chase something, Chase that 20 into the street of oncoming traffic. Chase that guy. Chase that girl. Chase that promotion. Chase. Chase. Every time you make a decision to chase something, you to some degree showcase showing what you value. Let me add something to that. Every time you make a decision, you're showcasing what your values are. It's this, these moments where we begin to say, I value it so much, I'm willing to make that decision. Stay late, go to traffic, whatever that is. I'm willing to do what it is that I need to do in the moment that I need to do it because I value what it is that I see in front of me. You don't have to go very far to see this, that what we value determines our salvation, our success, and our stress. Let me tell you a quick story. Monday night, we went to a comedy club and uh, we saw John Christ, which if you have not seen John Christ, he's amazing. I love him because he just makes fun of everything that I am. And, uh, and he does it with, with sarcasm, which is my, just my love language. But um, I was stressed. And you're like, hold up, how can you be in the middle of a comedy club and stressed? If you haven't been to Zany's in a while, this was new. When you go in, they give you a bag. And the bag has a lock on it. And so it's a little bag about this big, and it has a lock. And when it is locked, you can't unlock it. And you know what goes in that bag? Your phone. Guys, I'm telling you, like, it was my, my blood pressure shot up. I'm thinking, I, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to find the schedule. Like, I need to know how long I'm going to be. Is this like an hour and 15-minute show? Is this a two-hour? I need to make adjustments. I need to make sure that I, and so I'm going through this whole routine in, in, in my head of like, how long am I going to be without my phone? And, and don't sit and pass judgment. I know half of you would be in the same boat I'm in. And so I'm sitting there, and so I wait to the last minute to slide it in, and then I made them come around and say, so you got a lot, you know, so I finally locked the phone. And, and, and it was like somebody sat on my chest. And I got to think, why? Why? It's a phone. Why is it causing this stress? Because it's what I value. In fact, I got people texting me right now. It's what we value. 
And it causes stress. I value having everything at the touch of my fingers. I value that, that you know what, there might be somebody trying to get a hold of me. I value that someone posted something on Instagram and I'm going to be two hours late hitting the heart. And that may not be your vice. But what we value, and then when those things are taken away short term or they don't go like we want them to or they end up being dead ends, there's a level of stress that comes in. So we have, to, we have to define what we value. Now, this is key to defining what it is that you value. Because here, if I don't say this, some of you are going to go home and you're going to begin to evaluate based on how you feel about something. We can't always just trust our hearts and our feelings to determine what we value. You go, well, what are we, what are we supposed to? There's got to be something else that's a measuring stick. Jeremiah says this. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure. Who can understand it? Here's what he's saying. Who can trust it? So if you go home and you begin to, to, to figure out, we do this when we clean our garages, we clean our houses, right? We have something that we have not used in 18 years. We found it in a closet, didn't even know we had it anymore. And we're trying to determine, do we value it enough to what? Put it back in the closet and not use it for another six years. Do we display it or do we goodwill it? And I've seen my mom do this several times. Do you need that, mom? No. Do you, do you want it? Well, well that, was, you know, that was your great aunt Shirley's. And I'm going, well, what is it? I don't know, but she gave it to me. Just put it back in the closet. It's fine. She's allowing her heart, her feelings about something, determine whether or not it's valuable enough to keep. And many times it's not. So again, we begin to chase through and we begin to, to navigate through these kinds of things. If I'm simply choosing to believe my feelings, if I'm simply choosing to believe my heart or what it is that I desire, I will not be able to trust that. Jeremiah says, it will deceive you. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. He says, this whole concept of deception means this. It will mislead you in the wrong direction. And in doing so, you will begin to value and chase the wrong things. Our brain, our heart, let's be honest, is not very accurate. And when we begin to simply trust that, and that becomes the measuring stick, that becomes the gauge, the metric by which we determine what it is that's valuable, what it is I'll chase, what it is I'll spend time on, what it is I'll spend energy on, it is not bad. We lie to ourselves all the time. We lie to ourselves constantly. We believe things with our heart about ourselves that just are simply not true. Am I the only one that deals with this? I have a bad run and I begin to look in the mirror and my heart says, Jason, you're, you're not good at this. My heart says, my feelings at that moment say, Man, if, if other people knew. And it's these lies because our heart tends to do that. Our heart will tell us and cause us to misjudge people and their motives and their actions. So we can't trust those kinds of things. So defining what is valuable is so, so key. Because here's what's going to happen if we don't. That unclear values will lead us to confusion. Chances are, if you're in a confusing season of life right now, it's because you're unclear of what it is that you value. Or someone around you has thrown a wrench in that, telling you you should value something more than you should, and you don't really think you should, and it's unclear, and you're just confused. 
conflicting values leads to tension. My guess is right now, if you are in a marital spot where you are at conflict, it's probably because you have conflicting values. If you're in a work relationship that really is tense right now, and you're dreading going back to work tomorrow because you know you're going to see that person that sits across from you and they don't value showering the way you value showering. <laughs> or they don't value work time. They're going to goof off. They're going to try to show you all kinds of YouTube videos. And you're trying to, again, impress for success. And it just is conflicting values. Listen, I come here to make a living. I come here to advance. I don't come here to watch YouTube. Conflicting values lead to tension. False values create deception. And then finally, that wrong values cause dysfunction. If you are in a state right now of just chaos and dysfunction, it's because you're valuing the wrong things. So we've got to define this, and I'm spending longer on this one than I'm going to because defining what we value and valuing what is real is paramount in determining what it is you'll chase and what it will, you will allow to chase you. So what we value is vital. And I'm learning this. I can't let the world decide that. Because the world tells me that here's the values that you need to be aware of, and these are the way you define these things. It's this. As long as you look good, feel good, and have the goods, you're good. The world's going to tell me tomorrow morning, as long as you look good, as long as you feel good, and as long as you have the goods, then you're valuing the right things. And so I've got to stop in my tracks and go, hold up what it is that I value. You know, Jesus' section on worry and doubt and stress and all that kinds of things, I don't find it coincidental that this, it comes on the heels of this. If you back up just a few verses, the verses that connect to this passage, listen to what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying what you treasure is what you will chase. Do not let the world determine what it is that you value. So here's another question. In, de in determining what it is I'm chasing in life, is it real, is it not, does it matter, is it not, is it counterfeit, is it not, it's this. What's going to last? What do I value? And what's going to last? Is what I'm about to, to exert an exuberant amount of energy on going to last? Is what I'm about to turn my entire attention to for this season and leave a lot of things in the dust is it going to last? Is it going to last? And, and, and I'm finding in my life, again, we are masters at short-term thinking. I got to get the new iPhone 10. I got to get the new iPhone 10. I got to get the new iPhone 10. I got to get it. And we will go and go and go. And then the new 11 comes out. Like, I got to get the iPhone 11. I got to get the iPhone 11. I got to get the iPhone 11. I, I got to get that promotion. I got to get that promotion. I got to get that promotion. Well, that wasn't what I thought it was. That didn't last. I mean, that feeling of success and, and feeling validated and val now, okay, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And we lock into these short-term moments 
Because we think they're going to be lasting moments. They, we think and we are convinced that that is exactly what you're missing. That's exactly what you need. And if you get it, man, you are set for the long haul. Only to get there and figure out, you know what, that didn't even last. That wasn't even what I thought it was going to be when I did catch it. John, follower of Jesus, says this in 1 John chapter 2. I think He says, do not love the world, anything of it. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the, and, and here's the chase, what you lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's those things that we chase that we think, again, are going to be lasting things, comes not from the Father, but from the world. What's going to last? What is it in your life right now? You know what brings this into focus more than anything? Crisis. You get diagnosed. My dad's having a pacemaker put in this week, and he was with us last week, and my dad was more loving. And, and My dad's a very, very loving person, but, you know, the older my get, he gets and the, the more crisis that his heart causes, and it's been an, an episode for about three years now, ongoing something. But my dad calls me more than he ever called me. He loves on me. He kisses me, and I, I, as a 42, I'm like, kiss me more, Dad. Because in his mind, he's in crisis. And he, and he wants to partake in what's going to last. He wants to be about, in this moment, what's going to last. My dad has figured out in this moment, and some of you have too, that crisis brings what lasts and what doesn't last, what matters and what doesn't matter, into full focus. So what do you value and what will last? And the third is this. Will I choose what's easiest or will I choose what's best? We love shortcuts. We love quick fixes. But those are things that don't always turn out to be the best. I learned that the hard way over the last couple months. I've got a truck that's for sale if anybody's looking. It's in the shop right now, but it's for sale. Um, so my mechanic, who's great, I said, man, what, what, what keeps, what, what, you know, the truck doesn't have a lot of miles on it. Like, why, why are we dealing with this? And this is what he told me. He said, all I can tell you is that the previous owner took a lot of shortcuts. And as this truck has aged, it was not the best decisions. Probably saved them a little bit of money and a little bit of time. But now it's your problem. That's what you're reaping. What is easiest is not what is always best. Walking with Jesus won't always be easy, guys. It will cause sacrifice. It will cause us to stick out. Sometimes it's going to cause us to make decisions that aren't popular. We're going to miss out on a few things here and there. You know, you might have to rearrange some things. It's not always going to be easiest, but I promise you it's what's best. Chasing your marriage through struggle is not going to be easy, but it's what's best. It's not just best for your kids. It's going to be best for you going through whatever the process is to reconcile, to learn to communicate, whatever it is, bury some hat, whatever it is, it's not going to be easy. But it's what's best. Loving and rearing and disciplining and being present for your children in order to help them be good adults won't be easy. Can I get an amen from a parent? But it's what's best. You being present in the struggle of rearing kids. You telling a kid no. 
you training a kid and helping them understand what their values are so they don't get to be an adult not understanding what defines them. In the moments when you've got to love when you don't feel like it because the world has beat you up all day. And you get to this moment where you go, adulting's hard. I just want to sit and chill, you know, like, no. It's not always easiest, but it's what's best. Bringing secret sin to the surface and things you struggle with into the light, that ain't easy. But it's what's best. My guess is it's not only what's best for you spiritually, but it's also going to be good for you relationally. It's going to be good for your work. It's going to be good for your recreation. It's going to be good for your marriage or your relationship. It's going to be good. You talk to somebody who has brought secret sin, brought some real struggle to the surface that they've been stuffing down for a long time, they're going to tell you it hurts like hell. But man, I'm glad I did it. It may not be the easiest, but it's what's best. And in doing so, you'll figure out what it is that... You're chasing and chasing you. And then finally, is it worth the price? And I got to tell you, stepping out into oncoming traffic in downtown Nashville wasn't worth the price. And each of us, we kind of have like, a, like an account, if you will. And we spend from that account. We have physical accounts, emotional accounts, relational accounts, spiritual accounts. So the question is, is, you know, and the account only has so much in it. When you begin to divvy it out, is it worth the price? Again, at what price do we chase career and retirement? That we look back and go, man, it cost me everything. At what point do we chase belonging? You know, I know people, and, I, and I'm in this category sometimes. I'll choose, I'll, I'll spend hours on social media, belonging in certain groups and certain circles, and I don't want to miss out on a conversation here. And then I'll go to dinner and won't be present for 30 minutes with the people in front of me. Is, is my need for blue check marks and likes and hearts to belong? so valuable? Is it worth the price of missing out on what's right in front of me, what's right on me? Here's one. At what price will you chase always having to be right? Man, I watch people just go at each other, say some just nasty things. On social media, of course, we don't talk anymore, right? But at what, what, what's the price? Is it worth your reputation? Is it worth losing real life and real-time friends? Is it worth the argument? Going to places and doing things, putting up with all kinds of toxicity and crap just to prove your love. Is it worth the price? So as we begin to evaluate these things? Is it worth what it's going to cost you, not just today, but in the long run? And this is probably one of the most powerful things I will say this morning. We are often willing to give everything to chase nothing. 
me say it again. We are often willing to give everything to chase nothing. As we land this morning, how do you know what's real? Well, I would start with asking yourself those questions. How do you know what's counterfeit? One of the things I learned working retail for a while is this. You guys bring the lights down for a second. One of the ways we can tell what's real is by putting it under the light. And if you see certain markings on certain things, like this 20 is a little bit an older 20, and if you see the stripe come through, you'll know that's real. On 100, it's more in the middle. And so I can place money under this and figure out very quickly it's a real 20 versus what it is that many of you found on the ground this morning. So if you're struggling to figure it out, is this real? Does this matter? Is this, is this worth the chase? Can I just encourage you to one more thing? Just put it under the light. Stack it up next to Jesus. Look at what it was that he valued. Look at, what, look at what he taught. Look at how it was he interacted and treated people. Look at what he modeled. And when you begin to, to, to put what you're chasing and what you're allowing to chase you underneath the light, you know, Jesus' light was pretty simple, right? He said, love God and love people. He said, I didn't come for the... For the for the, the well, I came for the sick. That's not easiest. Jesus says, you know what? I came to seek and save lost people, people who are wandering, people who need breakthrough, people who are struggling, people who don't have a place to fit. He says, you know, the foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't have anything, and I'm okay with that because that's not what I'm chasing. And we begin to stack up against the light We begin to allow our decisions, and I said every decision we make showcases what we value. When we begin to allow our decisions to be illuminated by Jesus, we'll begin to determine what's real and what's not. And on a very practical level, here's what this may mean for you. It may mean that you've got to change what you let in. Things you see, things you participate in, things you watch, places you go. Over the next few weeks, you may feel this tug. You know what? I've got to change some relationships I'm in. And you guys, if you've been here for a minute, you know I am all about widening my circles to to include as many non-believers as I can in my personal circles. But if I begin to look around and say, I'm only involved with people who are far from Jesus, then you can never expect to grow close to God. So for some of you, you may have to change and adapt and begin to shift some relationships. For some of you, you got to change it how you look at money, stuff, achievement, success. And for some of you, you got to change how you view and treat people. We begin to model this. We begin to treat people differently. We begin to go out of our way to, again, not always do what's easiest, but to do what's best. If you will, stand with me as we close this morning. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks. We just introed this morning, and we're going to talk about some real-life things in real time, things that you chase and things that chases you over the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you, don't get got.
that the movement, the call, the blessing of God, it just simply can't be duplicated. And Satan and the world, it, it'll get close. But you just can't duplicate it. And when you put it under the light, when you continue to come in here every Sunday and put things under the light, when you go to house group and you put things under the light, when you get in circles of people that you trust and you begin to put things under the light, what you're going to determine is what's real and what's not, what's worth and what's worthless. Solomon, who Jesus references, he had it all. He had security. He had significance. He was surviving well above the means. Solomon, he says, you know, I've got all the money in the world. I've got enough money to last generations. I'm famous. I'm king. Solomon had security. He had relationships. He had different women every night. I mean, Solomon had it all. He had the good life. And as he was summing up life, here's what he said. He says, it's all meaningless. He says, whatever God is not in the center of, whatever the hand and the heart of God doesn't touch, he says, it's worthless. Here's what Solomon was saying. Chase what is real. Don't get to a spot where you look back and go, wow, I caught what it was I was chasing. But look at the damage. Look at the loneliness. Look at the frustration. Look at the stress. Look at the times I could have been engaged with my kids and I didn't. Or, or the times that I should have been planning, planning a date for my wife and I didn't. Look at the relationships of someone who was struggling, and I knew they were struggling, but I, I knew it would be messy, and I chose what was easiest, and man, I wonder what kind of difference I could have made there. Look at my health that I've destroyed because of my lifestyle. Look, look. Psalm says, you want to avoid all that? Oh, life's still going to be tough, but he says, chase what's real. And for those of you who have spent your entire life to this point chasing all sorts of things, that's okay. God is a God of renewal, of second chances. And he will help you chase in the next season of your life what you could only have dreamed about chasing in the season you're coming out of. Chase what is real. Don't get God. Father, this morning, as we begin to walk down a path of determining what is real, what is, what is worth chasing, God, will you help us determine those things, not by our heart, we can't trust it, because we're going to go home and go, well, this feels right, and I, I love this, and I desire this, and I mean, is it bad to want to provide to a greater level? Is it bad? And our heart will begin to deceive us. And before you know it, we'll continue right on down the path that is causing stress. We know it's causing stress, tension, and frustration. So God, I pray that over these next few weeks, especially in this room, but also in the rooms around town and in house groups and homes, that we will together begin to chase and pursue what is real, 
what matters. God, shift and change our values. Help us to, to, to really determine what it is that we value. God, I pray that it's deeper than, than looking good and feeling good and having the goods. God, I, I pray that again, as we begin to evaluate these things, that, that you'll, you'll grow us, you'll move us, you'll shift us, you'll encourage us, that you'll relieve us. Father, we trust you in this process. We want more of you in this process. Father, we pray again for, for, for the courage to take a step, not into the street chasing a 20, but down the avenue that you've called us to be about. Thank you, God, for giving us Jesus, who's our model, who's our friend, who really cuts to the chase and shows us time and time and time again what it is that is meant to be valued, what it is that will last, and what it is that's worth the ultimate price. People, thank you for that. It's through his name we pray. Amen.